0: At 106 on this sunny Tuesday. Good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePetro show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of our program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Folks, whether it's lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge, like right now, if you're on Route 146 or anywhere, actually in the Lincoln, Smithfield, Woodsocket area. Right now, you could be at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Hill Road in Lincoln, right off 146. They had a nice crowd in the lounge last night for the Patriots on Monday Night Football. It wasn't the best-looking win, but it was a win nonetheless. But anyhow, uh, getting together with friends, the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Hill Road in Lincoln. All right, there's a lot of sound to get to situation at the Rhode Island State House seemingly I, I don't know if anyone's actually how many people are really in those tents. And I'll give credit. The McKee people seem to have a handle on that. That in fact that um they they do seem to have a handle on that it's there's not as many people Really living there, as they had said. But I want to go to uh, this. Was a good piece on Tucker Carlson last night about this whole business of the people like Mayor Pete that go after us regarding uh, energy and fuel, and yet they're flying around on private planes. Let me hear this last night. It seems like
1: a day. Pete Buttigieg has been there almost the whole time. He was sworn in in early February of 2021. And when he was, he had high hopes. We looked at the tape today. Though he had no previous experience with transportation, or for that matter, with secretarial work, Buttigieg held up his right hand and swore an oath to Kamala Harris to be the best darn secretary of transportation he could be. And he seemed to mean it, but not for long. Sadly, history soon intervened. Just weeks into the job, Buttigieg discovered that some of the roads he was supposed to be overseeing, the roads he was now secretary of, were in fact racist. And not just low-grade, insensitive facebook post 10 years ago races. Not that kind of racism, no. These were hardcore David Duke-level, nasty old segregationist roads. These were roads that refused to respond to reason and clearly had no intention of changing and joining the 21st century. Some of these roads literally had white stripes painted on them. White stripes. Jim Crow stuff. Buttigieg seemed shocked by the whole thing. They don't have roads like that back in South Bend, Indiana. So for Pete Buttigieg, it was a pivot point. It was one of those moments of profound disillusionment, so common to high-minded young newcomers to Washington, where everything changes in an instant. All your preconceptions washed away. Here he's sworn an oath to take care of the roads, but learned the hard way that some roads are beyond repair. They are too racist to fix. So Pete Buttigieg embarked on another path. He became one of America's foremost religious leaders. As an Episcopalian, it was not an easy transition. Traditionally, members of the clergy believe in God, but Buddha Judge had a characteristically clever solution—an approach he had learned during his years as a McKinsey consultant. In place of the concept of an omnipotent, loving God who brings justice to the world, Buddha Judge simply substituted the word "climate." Thanks be to climate, our climate, who art in heaven, that kind of thing, and it sounded pretty good. Here's one of his sermons. You talk very openly about being a person of faith. Mm.
0: And I, I want to understand how you connect that To this issue of climate change and our custodianship of the earth and our moral responsibilities. Climate is a moral issue and this is about stewardship. It is about justice. There's a moment here where we should invite those who are motivated by religious moral considerations to know that those are some of the things that are at stake in what we're doing to this to this
1: planet so this was really a milestone in modern christian theology climate declared father buddha judge is a moral issue not a meteorological matter not even a policy topic it's a moral issue climate is a question that bears directly on the fate of your immortal soul when you mistreat the climate you risk damnation insomuch as you have done to the least of these you have done it to the climate big change you thought it was about the science actually it's about morality okay reverend pete so you set the terms here so how's your climate record? That seems like a fair question, given that you've just told us that we will go to hell for our carbon emissions. So let's see how you're doing. Fox News Digital just got a hold of the Reverend Pete's travel schedule, a list of trips he's taken since getting the job at the Transportation Department. And it turns out that Reverend Pete is the Jimmy Swagger of climate clergy. He was commanding you not to do it at the same time he was doing it himself in a very big way, way more than you've ever thought of doing it. Reverend Pete has sinned, oh boy, has he, in a dark and very naughty way. In less than two years, Buttigieg has flown private at taxpayer expense nearly 20 times. He's jetted to Ohio and Florida and New Hampshire, among other places. In September, Buttigieg took an FAA jet to a Canadian gay rights ceremony to accept an award for his LGBTQ plus advocacy, something else he's been doing since he gave up on the roads. All this has been extremely expensive for you and every other taxpayer. You may recall that Donald Trump's HHS secretary, Tom Price, lost his job for doing exactly the same thing. An outraged politico.com drove him out of office. So it's expensive. But that's not the real crime. The real crime here is against the climate. It's a sin. It's a moral transgression because none of these planes that Pete Buttigieg was jetting around on were solar powered. Not a single one ran on a windmill or recycled French fry oil. They were all fossil fueled, all of them. And there is likely no mode of transportation in the history of machines that emits more carbon than private air travel. That would include long trips across India on coal fired locomotives. Private jet travel stands alone. Private jets emit an average of two tons of carbon dioxide in an hour, per hour. For perspective, that's 14 times more carbon emissions per passenger than the JetBlue flight you're on or any other commercial flight. So you might as well start a tire fire to heat your house. That would be better for the atmosphere than what Pete Buttigieg is doing. Traveling by private jet is literally the last thing that Father Pete should ever do. But we shouldn't be surprised that he's doing it. You may remember that last year, when Pete Buttigieg was busted commuting in a carbon-belching SUV, one of the vehicles that destroys the climate, then unloading a bicycle from the back seat for a short, widely photographed ride to the White House. You're seeing that footage on your screen now. Now, that should have been the very first tip that Reverend Pete's sermons and the self-described climate activists who applauded those sermons are all entirely fraudulent. And in fact, they are fraudulent. Roughly half of all emission created by airplanes are emitted by the richest 1% of the population flying private. The right majority of these Biden voters and big fans of, you guessed it, the Reverend Pete
0: Buttigieg. Hmm. You know, folks, he is um, <coughs> Mayor Pete, or Reverend Pete, as Tucker Carlson's, I'll call it. I mean, he is just an absolute total fraud, right? Complete fraud. And it is um, it's really disgraceful how they have attacked without any type of um, any type of plan in order to and, and, and he's exactly right on that. Now, I also want to mention there's a good piece, Washington Post. Now the Raimondo people are really stepping up their efforts, PR efforts, on. Gina Romano, and the Washington Post has a piece, the real scantle tainting the Commerce Secretary doing her job. So this is yet another positive fluff type article on Secretary uh, Romano. So this this is not by accident. Um, it's it's by design. Again, this was was just posted. Gina Raimondo takes flack from the left for doing her job. Uh, as I mentioned, you know there was the story two weeks ago, the New York Times. Gina Raimondo, a rising star in the Biden administration, faces a one hundred billion dollar test. They love the phrase "rising star." Her trick is to always try to be. A rising star, but that is kind of set apart to um, continue to keep her in the news, and and also in a way of look at this. She's she's doing her best, and she's getting flack from the left because of it. But she's you know just continuing down that road. She's not letting anyone stand in her way, and blah blah blah. Now. I want to just hear how our local news stations are covering the it's really the teacher union in Providence and how they are covering this situation with the union now fighting with the administration. Now, I also want to point out Governor McKee did not get the endorsement from this teacher's union, which is the uh, Federation uh, teachers he got it from NEA Rhode Island. So this is the Channel 12 story. In
2: closing, The district hasn't officially confirmed it, but staff at two schools, the Loro and Feinstein at Broad Street, are set to meet this afternoon about school facilities. Now the state education commissioner says a middle school will also be phased out, but she wouldn't name the school. The prospect of closing is shocking some teachers and parents. Let's go to 12 News reporter Alexandra Leslie. She joins us live up in Cumberland today.
3: Okay, we're here in Cumberland because the governor and education commissioner just held an unrelated event at a school here, but we did catch up with the education commissioner after that event, who still would not name those schools, she says out of respect to the families there. Now, as we reported, the state-run school district did report on Sunday that two school buildings would be closing. Yesterday, the teachers' union told us teachers at Coral Laurel Elementary School and Allen Sean Feinstein School at Broad Street got emails about this. A PPSC spokesperson Person told us this is all part of a comprehensive plan to dramatically increase the number of students and educators in comprehensive facilities. Now without the schools. The education commissioner confirmed the closures are because the buildings involved are not in good shape, she says. The logistics are also not yet clear on where these students and staff will go. But the commissioner said she expects the transition to take place sometime at the end of the school year. 12 News caught up with parents this morning who were surprised to hear that their school was closing. They're also disappointed with the district and how they found out. It does need
4: work, but I don't believe it's a crumbling school again, just the deception, uh, just the constant lies. This is not how we wanted to roll this out. This is not, you know, this It's just not the way we wanted to do this. But out of respect to the families and the teachers, we're, I'm not going to talk about the particular schools. But I will tell you, one of the principals in the schools came to me, I think it was like eight months ago, and said, "I, I you know, my building
2: is in
3: shambles. So staff in the affected schools are officially being notified at the conclusion of school today. The Education Commissioner also says that parents will be notified in a meeting tonight but wouldn't tell reporters when or where those would be held. For now, reporting live in Cumberland, Alexandra Leslie, 12
0: News. Well, the bottom line is here. At, <coughs> excuse me, folks. Good afternoon at 119. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 in the 9. I believe that's um, FTA, right? Let me... Um, Hold on. I want to just double check that. Uh, This Providence is the same union as, oh, AFT, excuse me. AFT, American Federation of Teachers, right? Yeah. AFT, which is the Randy Weingarten outfit. I believe that is the same union. So you have two different teachers unions. So you have the union that represent, represents uh, NEA Rhode Island, but then the um, AFT. And AFT represents the teachers that I believe are in Providence, Woonsocket, Pawtucket, Warwick, I think Cranston. And then the NEA Rhode Island has the rest. But, but this union, AFT in Providence, they, they did not endorse Governor McKee. He did not get their endorsement. Now, as much as someone might argue, well, they're all under the same umbrella. And, and they kind of, because they endorsed Nellie Gorbea, Secretary of State Gorbea. Um, there are less children, less children are going to the public schools. As Justin Katz has said, and we've talked about it, what what it starts to become, it's, it's less about education and more of just being there as for jobs. You know, notice they immediately have to say they're not going to let anyone go. And I wonder if that's because of maybe they're trying to cut down on the number of sick days that a lot of these teachers take, but it's all seemingly just another distraction. And that's what they do. So you have the administration, they want to close some schools. So they come in and say, we're going to, we're going to blow it up, meaning the union and draw attention to it. And they let it shift and they still look at that. They're hiding information. They won't tell you and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's, Seemingly, what it really comes down to. Providence, seizure union, blasts the school district, blasts, lack of communication. They try to get it out. They want to just cause disruption. Oh, I want to hear. This is the Channel 6 story on it. Let's Here we down. go. By
5: a teachers union announcing the closure of two schools. This coming without any notice to the union or community members. So, why did they decide to take this to Twitter? ABC 6 News reporter Natalie Nori went to find out. She joins us now live in Providence. Natalie. Natalie. Olivia, a lot of people are frustrated with this announcement that said two schools are closing, but didn't say which schools they were. And the Providence Teachers Union felt it was time to take this topic to Twitter. The Providence Teachers Union made a tweet this weekend that revealed the Providence Public Schools District is planning on closing and demolishing two schools next year.
6: We stand behind what we did
4: because we don't get answers. We can't get answers.
5: The president of the teachers' union says she has an idea which schools they might be, but nothing has been confirmed yet. And PPSD hasn't told the teachers' union anything, which is why they took it to Twitter. Maybe if they had been more
4: transparent and clear with their communication prior to this, we wouldn't be having this discussion. But because there's intentionality around excluding us, then we need to have intentionality around informing the public.
5: A spokesperson from PPSD released a statement last night in response to the tweet confirming the information, saying, quote, Providence Public Schools in Ride are proud to say that next year two crumbling schools will finally be taken offline as part of a comprehensive plan to dramatically increase the number of students and educators in modern facilities. They added there would be no layoffs, criticizing the teachers' union for being premature in their tweet. To
4: know that there is a verbalized concerted effort to exclude us from any and all parts and vilify province teachers union in the process. It's just disappointing.
5: Olivia, there are still a lot of unanswered questions, and today I reached out to Ride as well as PPSD to see if they could give me the answer to any of those questions, but I did not get a response. But what we do know is Education Commissioner Angelica Infante-Green is set to meet with lawmakers this week and updating them about the health of the district at this time. For now, reporting live in Providence, Natalie Norrie, ABC6 News.
0: You know, folks, the um, again, I'm not going to spend any more time on it, but it's all just a distraction. It's all real games. This is something that Governor McKee, whether he likes it or not, he's going to have to deal with this. Now, I want to play the story about the um, amount of illegals, migrants, if you will, at the border. It It is just total insanity that they're about to allow and have all those people just come cruising through. This portion of the John DePetro Show on this Tuesday, it's brought by Matthews Oil Company. Listen, this winter, it's cold out. Why not fill up your tank? Call Matthews Oil Company today, 401-942-7500. They'll keep you warm this winter, 401-942-7500. Complete service, residential, commercial for over four generations. Premier dealer in Rhode Island, Delivering the highest quality heating fuels. Matthews Oil Company, celebrating 90 years in service. Call them, 24-hour emergency service, 401-942-7500. Or online, matthewsoil.com, 401-942-7500. This migrant invasion, whatever you want to call it, It's pretty dramatic that and think of that. They're saying it's the largest ever. This is not an accident. This is by design. This is this has been going on for two straight years since President Biden took office, and seemingly with no letdown in any way. And if anything, it's ramping up. So and, and and we're going to have to, we're one of those states, believe it or not, that they, that they come to. Um, they don't go everywhere. What's the other story I wanted to mention? The man accused of building the bomb that blew up Pan Am Flight 103 over Lockerbie, Scotland, was in federal court yesterday, refused to answer questions. Look at that. All these years later, and they're still going after the guy. I'm going to play... That story, just because I I think it's interesting. Um, it's also interesting, folks. Putin is not holding his annual year-end marathon news conference. Very very unusual. Cancelled it. First time in decades. A lot of people are speculating that it could, in fact, be his health. But this situation at the border, it this this is insanity, with what is happening right now, and the the fact that. You know, this is all driven by the fact that the Democrat Party, Biden, Harris, believe that all those individuals, when they enter the country, that that's where they're going to be, they're going to end up. And at some point, if they're going to be voters, they're going to be Democrat voters. So I know a lot of people knock the hole, they call it the replacement. Therapy um, theory, but I, I, this, I think that look at we, we, you don't have to look any farther than, as I've said, and this has been going on for a while now. Than the fact that the the situation in Providence, where Mayor Cicilline, then at the time Mayor Cicilline did it a long time ago, and now all these years later, good luck. Um, Trying to get Cicilline out of there. So there's no way what what congressman first was mayor, then congressman Cicilline basically did was replace anyone that might vote against him and just brought in new people where they just continue to give free things. And then they were more than happy um, to then, you know, vote for him. And he continues to have that type of support. But this situation at the border, I want to play, um, here's a, a quick clip, the the Today Show. More, they're crossing as Title 42 is set to expire.
6: Migrants at the Texas border, it comes as days before COVID regulations known as Title 42 are set to expire. The Border Patrol in El Paso now reporting an average of more than 2,400 illegal border crossings every day. A surge of migrants, mainly from Central and South America, overwhelming border officials. A pandemic era policy that allows the immediate deportation of migrants is scheduled to end next week.
0: There's nothing good news about that. Nothing good news about that for us. That needs to be an investigation. And that's, I think, the House with McCarthy taking over. That's something that they should look into. Immediately, all right. I want to go to this is the latest now. Today's show piece: University of Idaho off campus, four students stabbed to death. It's been one month, and it still remains a complete murder mystery. Let's see. This is the piece this morning from the Today's Show.
2: The they're looking for may have seen something important on the night of the murders, possibly without even knowing it. So we know the vehicle was there. We just don't know who was in it, who may have owned that car, who may have information about what happened that night. Police say four University of Idaho students, Kaylee Gonçalves, Maddie Mogan, Ethan Chapin, and Zana Kernodal were brutally stabbed to death in their shared off-campus home. Two female roommates sleeping on the bottom floor of the house were not injured. This comes as the father of Gonsalves is alleging new details on how some of the victims were killed. Steven Gonsalves telling Fox News Digital that he had spoken to the coroner who said the victims had big open wounds, adding this was a strong weapon, not like a stab. Gonsalves also said the coroner told him his daughter's injuries definitely did not match the wounds of fellow victim Madison Mogan, who was killed in the same bed, and that it was the work of a strong individual. It's been a month since that tragic night when students learned the magnitude of the horrific crime within hours. When I first read this text message, I could not believe that there were four people reported. Three days after the killings, police said.
0: Based on details of the scene, we believe this was an isolated, targeted attack
6: on our victims.
2: Authorities have never revealed why they believe the attack was targeted. Later telling NBC's Morgan Chesky it's possible the house, not necessarily the individuals living there, was targeted.
0: In the investigation, we have not really come to a conclusion whether it was the individuals involved or one individual, multiple individuals, or the location.
2: My name is Stacey Chapin. I'm Ethan's mom. Mm. A month of unspeakable pain for families and friends of the victims. Attempting to seek closure with a killer still on the loose. Make sure that you spend as much time as possible with those people because time is precious and it's something you can't get back. Frustrations with the pace of the investigation growing by the day.
6: It's going to be a cold case if we don't do something within the next week
0: or two.
2: But police say they do have information to work with and new leads every
0: day. We want more than just an arrest, we want a conviction.
2: And back to those allegations reportedly being made by Stephen Gonzalez. Fox News is saying that the coroner declined to comment. We have been unable to confirm them and have been unable to reach him, Craig. I
0: mean, there's still so, so, so many questions,
6: Aaron. Uh, again, a month out now. Other than, than focusing on that, that white Honda that you mentioned there, any other directions no. that authorities are following in, in the
0: push to try to solve this? Thing? Crazy
2: yeah craig i was speaking to a police spokesperson yesterday and she said that a major focus right now of the investigation is on surveillance footage she says they have hundreds of hours of surveillance footage captured from across town she said a team of analysts is combing through that footage frame by frame looking for clues in addition she says that they're receiving tips Every day, she says this case is far from going cold.
0: How? Absolutely terrible, folks. Good afternoon. (coughs) That is such a strange case. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Right now, it's 133. It's Tuesday, December 13th. Just remember outside, you have a lot of melting that's going on. Glad we have a uh, nice sunny day and temperature um, close to 40. If in some parts, parts it might not be 40, but then it's going to drop down <laughs> again tonight. But we are going to have more um, sunshine tomorrow. So it's just incredible, some of the the roads. I also want to talk to you about the outdoor space at your home, whether it's your yard, contact Limitless Outdoors. Have you been thinking Maybe putting in a fire pit, maybe an outdoor fireplace. A friend of mine, he has an outdoor fireplace. Now, I contacted Limitless Outdoors, and they'll give you a free quote. They came to my home, and they said, you know, why don't we put in, and I'm going to put up a video of this. Why don't we put in, why don't we improve these front steps that you have? And it's it's steps that lead up to the house, not necessarily right at at your door, and what a difference. And folks, they were prompt. They did a fantastic job. They specialize, it's really a walkway of steps, but they do patios. They, They could do your steps, outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, retaining walls, lawn installations, excavation. They could also update your indoor fireplace. Look for them on Facebook. Now, their website, and they do have a good website, it's LimitlessOutdoorsRI.com. And their message and slogan is simple. Dream, build, enjoy. Limitless Outdoors. More and more we're learning and we're hearing, enjoy the outdoors more. It's healthier to be outside. Now you just want to be comfortable. I'm not talking about freezing outside in your yard. But wouldn't it be more enjoyable? It's like having a different room in your home if you have a nice outdoor space. Maybe right now, as you're riding along on this Tuesday, you've thought, you know, I wouldn't mind having like an outdoor kitchen and maybe an outdoor fireplace. And then enjoy my property a little bit more, more months of the year. Well, Limitless Outdoors, because what you can do is limitless. Look for them online, limitlessoutdoorsri.com, or call them for a free quote, 401 580 1852, 401 580 1852, for limitless outdoors. Well, folks, good afternoon. At one thirty-six, you're listening to the John DiPietro show. It's AM thirteen eighty and ninety-nine point nine FM. I want to play this um, piece from CBS. You know, I went to uh, grammar school, St. Paul's School with Jimmy McLaughlin. His brother, Bernie McLaughlin, was uh, studying. He was a Syracuse student, and he was he was aboard that Lockerbie flight. So the man accused that built the bomb that blew up Pan Am Pan Am flight 103 over Lockerbie more than 3 decades ago he was fine think of this finally in federal court yesterday those families. CBS did a package on that
6: blew up Pan Am flight 103 over Lockerbie, Scotland. He's faced people who lost loved ones in that attack for the first time. Abu Aguila Mohamed Massoud appeared in federal court in Washington yesterday facing charges for the first time in the 1988 bomb and killed 270 people, including 190 Americans. Senior investigative correspondent Catherine Herridge is in Washington for us. Good morning, morning Tony.
4: The federal judge read Massoud his rights and the terrorist and charges, which include the destruction of an aircraft causing death. If convicted, prosecutors said they will not seek a death sentence because the crimes did not carry that penalty when the plane was bombed more than three decades ago the alleged bomber refused to answer questions until he could retain his own attorney slowing down the legal process the families have waited 34 years to witness it's incredibly um, satisfying Stephanie Bernstein was in court for her late husband Michael a Justice Department Nazi war crimes investigator who took Pan Am flight 103 returning from a European business trip she learned that Massoud was in. US custody early Sunday morning I felt that I was I was dreaming because I had been sleeping when I got the call um, so the fact that he was in U.S. custody, that he was on the way to the United States was um, was surreal, um, but very gratifying. In a statement, Attorney General Merrick Garland said, Massoud's trial in an American court is an important step forward in our mission to honor the victims and pursue justice on behalf of their loved ones. Two years ago, the Justice Department announced charges against Massoud after an international team of investigators pieced together fragments of the jet scattered over the countryside in southwest Scotland. It it ultimately led to parts of a cassette recorder packed with explosives. Officials have yet to reveal how Masood came into U.S. custody now, but it was a welcome development for victims' families.
3: It was the first time that I was hopeful. I wasn't sure if, you know, within my lifetime, uh, we would be able to see the day.
4: Before the hearing, Victoria Cummick held a news conference in South Florida. Her husband was also among the 190 Americans killed on the flight.
3: It's the victims' family his fervent wish that U.S. criminal trial proceedings begin immediately. Justice delayed is justice
4: denied. Next week, the court will consider Massoud's legal representation. He will be held in a Virginia jail pending a detention hearing on December 27th. If convicted, he could face...
0: You know, that is um, <clears throat> still re- remarkable. That was December 21st, like many of you... I can remember I, I came home and uh, my father was, I think, watching CNN at the time. So that was 1988, Frankfurt to Detroit, stopover in London, another New York City. Pan Am flight 103, December 21st, 1988, while the aircraft was in flight over the Scottish town to Lockerbie was destroyed by a bomb that had been planted on board, killing all 243 passengers, 16 crew, what became known as the Lockerbie Bombing. It also did tremendous damage. Yeah, large sections of the aircraft crashed into a residential street in Lockerbie, killing 11 residents. 270 fatalities, deadliest terrorist attack in the history of the U.K., deadliest aviation disaster. Three-year joint investigation by the FBI and Galway. FBI arrest warrants were issued two Libyan nationals. Gaddafi handed over in 1999 the two men for trial in the Netherlands, protracted negotiations. 2001, Liberian intelligence officer was jailed to life, being found guilty. 270 counts of murder, connection with the bombing. August 2009, he was released, I remember that, by the Scottish government. He had prostate cancer. He died May 12th. Only person to be convicted for the attacks. 2003, Gaddafi accepted responsibility for the bombing. Paid compensation of the families for the victims, although he maintained he never gave the order for the attack. Um... They believe the bomb was planted at Heathrow Airport. It was not sent via feeder flights from Malta. A sleeper cell belonging to the popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine had been operating in West Germany in the months before the Pan Am bombing. And then we have this guy who built it in court yesterday, finally. Hmm. That was, um, yeah, the Syracuse University students. Bernie McLaughlin was one of them. I remember I think I went to the mass for him at St. Paul's. There's a um, good video of that, folks, documentary style of the people that lived in Lockerbie did, I mean, just incredible damage on the ground. And then what they went through was just hell. Eleven Lockerbie residents were killed when the wing section hit a house. And exploded. Property was completely destroyed. Bodies never found. Family of four were killed. There's there's good um, documentary of, you know, the people are explaining they just had dinner and. I suddenly heard the explosion and so forth. On December 5th, 1988, 16 days prior, FAA issued a security bulletin saying that on that day, a man with an Arabic accent had telephoned the U.S. Embassy in Finland and told them that a Pan Am flight from Frankfurt to the United States would be blown up within the next two weeks by someone associated with Amu Nadal organization said a Finnish woman, Finland, would carry the bomb on board as an unwitting courier. Anonymous warning was taken seriously by the U.S. government. State Department cabled the bullet in dozens of embassies. FFA, FAA sent it to all U.S. carriers, including Pan Am, which had charged each of the passengers a $5 security surcharge promising a program that would screen passengers, employees, airport facilities, baggage, and aircraft. Um, One of the Frankfurt security screeners, whose job was to spot explosive devices on x-ray, told ABC News he had first learned about the plastic explosive, was during her ABC interview 11 months after the bombing. On December 13th, 1988, the warning was posted on bullet boards in the U.S. Embassy in Moscow. PLO warning. Days before the sabotage of the aircraft, security forces put on warning from the PLA, PLO that they may try to attack to undermine the ongoing dialogue between the United States and the PLO. Hmm. Um, let's see. I mean, it's all these years later. still have it's still not 100% who carried it or out who carried it out or how it was done uh, we, we and, it, and it has changed the way i believe that they um let's see Clothes were traced to a Maltese merchant who became a key prosecution witness for testifying he sold the clothes to a man of Libyan appearance. He was interviewed 23 times. Who bought the clothes? Um, hmm. All right, folks, right now at 146, I mean, look at all these years later. And then it is still God, those families just terrible what they've had to go through absolutely horrific and then all these years later they're still trying to get full answers of exactly who it was who was involved how that happened and um also just uh, now it's a lot more of the same a a, a lot more of the same information of what I I think it was though Um, I think that's interesting how then you learn in the aftermath of That they did have the warnings and just the amount of uh, people. How did it happen? December 21st, a bomb planted aboard the flight. Exploded less than a half hour after the jet departed Heathrow, bound for New York. The attack destroyed the jet. Citizens of 21 countries, 35 students from Syracuse, flying home after a semester abroad. That's right. Investigators tied the bombing to Libya. Well, that much we know. Two Libyan intelligence officers planted the bomb, the bomb aboard the jet. Hmm. Let's see. Um. He. Oh, this the one they got admitted to building the bomb and working with two men to plant it on the plane. I'll get more I know there's more details of exactly how then they got it onto the flight, but that will be for another time the um but that person will not will not face death. the person responsible the one who built the bomb let's see seven. 03 p.m., Clipper, made, it, made of the Seas, leveled off at 31,000 feet, just north of the English-Scotland border. Hmm, a basketball-sized hole in the fuselage. What seemed at first like a horrific accident soon proved to be a result of a terrorist bomb planted in a radio cassette recorder inside a suitcase in a forward cargo hold. Now, I'm not positive, but I have been told that that is now why they ask you, did you pack your luggage? Because they convinced someone to take that on board. I remember hearing that. I'm just looking right now. They have all the uh, Syracuse students who are studying abroad and then excited to come home Mm -hmm. and... um, Folks, again, good afternoon. Um, all these years later, in the um, are still look at that, still trying to talk about the wheels of justice turn slowly, as we like to say. This portion of the John DePietro show at one fifty. It's watched by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, forty Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge. Why not get together with someone? It is the holidays. Have a nice little Christmas cheer. At the Lodge Pub and Eatery 40 the Hill Road in Lincoln. Well, folks, on the, the national front, a lot of the news on this Tuesday has to do with the latest fraud individual that they arrested. The, as they're now calling him, the crypto creep busted in the Bahamas. Fraud and money laundering. Where did billions go? Billions go. This car, oh, I know, I want to play the caravan story. This is disgraceful. They should immediately stop this caravan of coming into the country. This is, like, what is this? this you know what this is? That is Biden and Harris. That's what this is. That is the Democrat Party. And I I think in some ways they get a free, you know, the media's not very aggressive on them. Obviously, Fox calls them out, and it's pretty dramatic that this is hitting, quote, like mainstream media, as a matter of fact. So not just, you know, Fox, Newsmax, that regular media is going after just how outrageous this is with these caravans. And 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 how is it now? This is the the largest one that they've seen, as a matter of fact. So the people in El Paso, all right. This is a uh, piece. Let's see, it's 1.52 on this Tuesday. This is the piece they ran on Good Morning America. In El Paso,
1: Texas. Federal officials have reported a record number of encounters on the U.S.-Mexico border in the last year, and there are new concerns that it could soon increase. Matt Rivers is just across the border in Mexico with more. Good morning, Matt.
6: Good morning, Robin. A Trump-era health policy known as Title 42 has allowed U.S. immigration authorities to quickly expel many migrants here at the U.S.-Mexico border, and yet there are now fears that if that policy will end next week, what might happen next? This morning, U.S. migration facilities operating on overdrive in El Paso as hundreds of migrants cross the border in a matter of hours. Parents tiptoeing through the river, children in tow, praying upon arrival. Others forced to wait for hours under a looming border fence. In a year filled with mass migration to the U.S., this stands out. Migrants just a stone's throw from downtown El Paso, burning whatever they can to stay warm overnight. Migrant facilities at capacity here, forcing Border Patrol to transfer migrants to other parts of the border. A senior Homeland Security official calling the situation, quote, an absolute mess. Daily apprehensions now averaging 2,400 plus in the El Paso sector over the last few days. This ahead of next week's possible end of Title 42, a Trump era policy that allows for the immediate expulsion of migrants without allowing them to seek asylum. Eddie and Ediani and their twins are waiting to cross until Title 42 is lifted. Pero por qué ustedes siguen tratando de cruzarse? Calidad de vida. They keep trying to cross because they're looking for a better quality of life. They've tried to cross once and were expelled under Title 42. Still, they won't stop trying. And you can see there are still hundreds of people behind me waiting to be processed by border patrol. Some people even lighting fires to try and stay warm. George, I can tell you I've been reporting in this exact spot, Ciudad Juarez, for years now on migration. I have never seen anything quite like
0: this. You know, that is so preposterous and ridiculous. And I... I like many others. I have no idea why this is tolerated. Why on earth? What is the purpose of having of having a border? What 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 why even have the border? They're all just marching in. Either you have a country, you know, that's one thing President Trump used to say. Listen, either we're gonna have a country or we're not gonna have a country. But when we're, we're not gonna have a country if all these people Can just circumvent the 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 process. You know why? Why would someone follow the rules if 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 you just no? It's okay. You can cut the line. This is insanity, and this is all. It's so transparent. The only reason why the Democrat Party allows it is because they believe. These individuals, if not immediately in time, will vote Democrat. Period. Period. End of story. I don't, I mean, it's not even a matter of, of maybe. I mean, definitely, that's the whole reason they let them in. And then they want to ship them to red states. I mean, that's what we're talking about. This is crazy. We just listen. I understand if, in fact, there are some uh, manufacturers or other companies that that truly uh, need workers. Then it's you know then. Those companies should have access, but it's got to be in an arranged manner, not like this. This is just, it's a free for all at the border. Of course, Biden's not going to go there. Of course, Harris is not going to go there. None of them want to go there. No, they want to pretend it's not happening. Illinois high school students attack boy with Down syndrome in distressing video. New York Post. I, I hate seeing this. What is wrong with these people? A group of bullies attack a boy inside a bathroom in a suburban Chicago high school. Heartless students push to the boy to the floor. Others cheer him on. Get him. <sighs> Terrible. You know, uh, there's got to be the young boy was surrounded by a circle of students who were encouraging the bullying. Just disgraceful. We, this type of thing, you know, we're, we're, how do, oh, here we go. I don't understand how that's allowed to go on. Should be punished. Breaking. The ACLU is announcing further legal action on behalf of the homeless people at the encampment outside the statehouse at a press conference this afternoon. How much longer is this going to continue? How much longer is this going to continue? Now the ACLU. The ACLU has been pretty much silent for quite some time. You know what else? Did you see that story out of Fall River? that they're now offering a two hundred dollar reward. Somebody dumped a pile of mattresses You know what folks? The answer is you you have to put up security cameras everywhere. You have to put up security cameras everywhere now. One thing is in Idaho, all college buildings need to have security cameras. Think about that. And if you're listening right now, 158, wherever you can hear me on AM 1380 and ninety-nine point nine FM or online, if you go to the website, com, Allstate Lock, they'll install security cameras. Security cameras are a great deterrent. And you need them. The more security cameras, more businesses that put them up, more residential homes have them, it's safer for everyone. I encourage, you know, with all the gift giving that's going to go on over the next two to three weeks, I strongly encourage you, if you log on to depetro.com, you can see all state lock. They'll install this these security cameras and you need them. Folks, it's 159. It's a sunny Tuesday. It is warming up a little bit. It's going to be a lot of ice, a lot of melting on the roads. It's John DePetro. Listen, enjoy this Tuesday. We will be doing Facebook Live later. In the meantime, stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news. We're back on the radio tomorrow at 11. In the meantime, stay tuned for the news and enjoy this Tuesday. This is WNRI Socket.